Good evening, all. It's Dara Krasniansky from Azayat, and I'm once again excited to be bringing you another se session of the Marriage Ready series from Azayat and Mask and the Crown Heights Community Council. Uh, tonight we have uh, Rachama Klotman from Mask. So I want to once again thank you for being a very important part of this series and everything else that Adayat is able to do. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Okay. Schaefer. It's Hi. wonderful having you on. And everyone should know that Dr. Schaefer is from Empower. Uh, he's going to speak about, I would like you to speak about your program that you're involved with in Lakewood, New Jersey. But Dr. Schaefer is also a cloud person. Uh, an Askin besides a therapist. So he has a lot of letters after his name. Um, and I, I'm really very, very thrilled that you really were able to make the time. I know you're so involved with so many families and so many programs, which I'd like you to share with the listeners all about Empower, please. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. And I, I really, it's uh... And it's the, the word Askin is a pretty, uh, it could have a negative or positive connotation in Lakewood, but um, it's, I don't look at it as Askanis and I look at it as, and it's probably related to marriage when you, when you love what you do. And I, my role model, um, Ruchama herself, who gave me the introduction as, yeah, that's usually how it goes, someone that's been in the call for so, so many years. And I think when we last met, I said, my, my bracha to myself is that so many years later, I should still be you know, trying to help or try to do the best that we can. It's not, uh, this is what we do. We, we enjoy it. I don't look at, a, at this meeting as a pressure or as a, another task. It's something that, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, some people, they say, I prepared for the speech. Not, you know, I, obviously I went through the, the, the topic to an extent, but we're going to talk from the heart tonight, if that's okay, just to, you know, in a very candid discussion, if anyone has, uh, you know, those conversations, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, so we have a, a group practice here in, in Lakewood, New Jersey, of about 15 psychologists, social workers, nurse practitioners um, involved in, you know, really clinical, traditional therapy, um, trauma, addiction, abuse, um, children, adolescents, adults. Uh, we have DBT groups from by Chasir Berger, um, you know, who does uh, some work with MASK as well. Um, you know, emotional regulation, personality disorders, depression, anxiety, marriage counseling with Rift the Earth. I think next week, um, Dr. Margaret Neuberger will be presenting, right? Um, our psychologist uh, on board as well. Um, and that's really the, the group practice that we have as, as, as well, you know, the growing- Our topic of tonight of marriage and mental health. So when we announced it, uh, some people were saying, thank you. And some people were saying, I'm really, really nervous about where this topic is gonna be going tonight. So we are not, uh, so Dr. Shaver, what are we talking about tonight? as far as mental health and marriage, and what are we not saying? Okay, um, I guess if you would like to answer that question, just so um, I'll be guided um, you know, more properly. Um, I, I think if, if it could really be open to discussion and, and you know, questions that people have, and I, and I think the question, and I, it may sound like a therapist here, I'm sorry, I'm trying to take off my uh, therapist hat uh, at this hour, but you know, it, it depends what, when people hear the word mental health, what does that mean to them, right? Uh, as a therapist, to me, it's all, it's, it's like, why are we even talking about it, right? We, we know it, but as to a person, you know, uh, two years ago, I got a call, you know, one in the morning, 
three times in a row. So, you know, usually when we get those calls, you know, we just say, well, you know, um, it's probably not something we're going to be able to address anyway. But this call was a little different, right? The, the girl comes home and she's ready to get engaged. And he disclosed that I'd been seeing a therapist, um, you know, about two years ago. I was going through a certain um, in yeshiva. I just wasn't feeling fulfilled, um, wanted to get some. And I was a therapist, right? Um, and he did great. He was buying me for three months, right? Just, you know, trying to figure out, should he learn a certain limud? Should he, you know, is, does he want to stay in learning? Does he want to, you know, try to get more into the learning so he could stay in it? More basic questions that every person should really be asking, you know, not just say, you know, I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life, five years, six years. He was trying to do the right thing. And at one in the morning, the new uh, potential mechotin called and said, you know, am I hearing right that he said he saw a therapist and this person knew me and he said he saw a therapist and I said what does a therapist mean to you to him it was like you know this person was from a more behind background never to him therapists are therapists are crazy and the people seeing the therapists are crazy right so one it's game over right there and 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 we had a conversation for about an hour of just letting the person know we can just, there wasn't even a diagnosis, there wasn't even anything to be, you know, any genetics or anything like that. And, and it caused a big rift. They ended up not getting engaged. Um, I don't think it was even because of that, but they were, they were both ready, but I think it just put a dampening on everything. So when we say mental health, I don't know who's on, on uh, the Zoom tonight, right? So I guess I, I would say this, mental health can mean a whole bunch of terms. I don't, even the word mental, um, I think people are starting to just say emotional awareness. Um, we, we, we all have our idiosyncrasies. We all have things that we struggle with. There are some things that perhaps are deemed more chronic, um, perhaps going to be more of a concern for raising families with children and, you know, building, you know, relationships. There's definitely going to be that. But overall, if we have a clear diagnosis of what someone's struggling with, we have a clear treatment plan, I, I don't see why it should be too much different than anything else that if it's managed correctly and there's an open conversation about it, we're not hiding anything. We have an eagerness to learn and to love and to create a unit based on, I don't even like to call it defects, but based on us, it shouldn't be different than anything else. So no one should be scared. No one should, uh, you know, ask your questions um, and, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, especially because right now they're all anonymous if you use the Q&As uh, on the Zoom. Okay, so a question that came in, is I do have some mental illness, or let's even say that I'm seeing a therapist. How do I share that on a, share that on a date so that it doesn't explode? Like I'm wondering, for in that case, if it was maybe this the timing was so off, and then they didn't know what to do with it. Right, right. So it, it, that's the you know the the big question, and that creates a lot of concern and anxiety for some clients. You know, I don't want to go on medication because if I'm going to start dating in a year, what am I going to tell? You know, and it, it's almost like they use, maybe I'll start sessions after or before. They're treating it like once you go on the medication, that's when your team's crazy. Once you see a therapist, that's, you know, and, and everyone's so afraid when during Sheva Brachas, the wife opens up the suitcase and out pops a bottle of pills, you know, and oh my gosh, that's the stories. That's what we're all, uh, you know, everything we do, we're a white shirt to make sure that our kids go to certain schools for Shadokham, Shadokham, and here it happened, right? You know, everyone's so concerned about the bottles of pills falling out. No one's really concerned about the person that should be on the pills and is not, or the person that should be seeing a therapist and is not. That sort of, you know, it's almost like once you do it. Um, that said, it's going to, and I think it's something tells me it's going to go back to that original um, question. How 
how does that other person understand mental health? And, you know, just like you want to know, I remember Rabbi Jacobs and Mashkirch here in Lakewood used to say, if you want to know if the person is into money or tagashmias, ask them, what, if, what would you do if you landed a million dollars? What would you do with that money? You know, and like sort of see, would he support yeshivas? Would he make sure that there's a fund for the children for the next few years? Or would he say, I want to go tour the world and, you know, private jets and those, you know, I, I think you can, within the dates gauge, you know, where is this person holding in terms of emotional awareness? Where are they holding in terms of tolerance levels? Like when I came a few minutes late here, were we getting all nervous or were we just like, okay, we're going to start the program and see what happens, right? Um, I think if we gauge a little, I, and I remember, Deborah, you, you mentioned something about Dr. Sorotskin, which I, I wanted to follow up with you, right? If you Maybe if you can share that with me, because I think we share that similar approach of how to slowly, you know, um, give over that information, but for one reason, and I, I think before, do you remember what he said? And I'll ask you in a, in a minute about that, Dr. Srotskin. Well, Dr. Uh, he was saying that we should drip the, inf I use the word drip, we should drip that information. So uh, he also was very different between disclose and share, which I thought was an interesting distinction. Right. But right. we should drip the information, see how it lands on the other person before you share some more, and then right. share some more. Right. And, and I think, and when I heard that, you know, when you mentioned it, some people, you know, over here may, may question, so are we trying to manipulate or fool the person? Like, why don't we just go, you know, guns blazing and say, I have, you know, manic depression. Um, I have manic, you know, depressive disorder, uh, you know, moderate. Why don't we just go with it? I, I think, and, and this is why, thanks to you, Deborah, and I think this is such a beautiful thing that you're doing for the community, because, you know, as much as there's so many books out there and texts and seminars, this here is, we are the most unique population when it comes to this. Our stating system is not like anywhere else in the world. And even within us, you have the Hasidim and you have um, the Litvish and then you have probably more, if you want to say Orthodox, modern Orthodox. Right now, where we're gauging and everyone has to sort of figure out where they're holding with things, right? Um, typically, when I used to work in the, the hospitals or mental health clinics, the secular um, population would come in and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I have I was diagnosed in 2008 with generalized anxiety disorder, PTSD in 2012. They're so open about it. We're almost, it's like, it's not even like, why should I even be ashamed? So over there, I think in the dating system, it's part of the culture and it's part of who I am. And I appreciate that person, even though they have this. By us, you know, our dating system is, you know, designed in a way um, and in a purposeful way where we're really trying to go more for the quality of the family and the midos, if you want to say, the character versus the money versus um, status, you know, in society, even though we do fall into that trap, but we try to find a quality person. So that said, we do family checks before. That said, there's a whole dating process where we're not going to go ahead and just go party and let's, you know, we're going to really try to see, is this person right fit for me from a very clear, unfiltered mind? Rabbi Reisman, I remember he used to say, you know, when you date a girl and you get engaged to her, it sounds amazing. Wow, you both went to Israel in this and this year. You both love sushi. Um, you both love, you both, your goal is to retire and tour the world. You know, another two, three things. We both grew up in Borough Park or Flatbush. You have like five things where you're similar and maybe five things where you're dissimilar. Once you marry a year in, it turns into 10,000, 20,000, right? It's, those numbers mean nothing. But on the five things that you're now dating your potential spouse, you know, if you're going to disclose to them on day one, 
that, um, uh, let's just say for the more uh, Lakewood community, you want a television in your house, right? Is that gonna come out within 30 minutes? And now they know that you went to BMG, they know that your parents um, have a you know good show and bias, they know that you went to decent schools and now you want a TV. So one, a ratio on a, you know, on a fifth factor, it can shut the whole thing down. And it's not because the person is not open-minded to TV or to going out to work, or to a mental illness or mental health concern, it's more because I don't know you. And let me start to get to know you. And then it will be one out of 100 characters as opposed to five, right? When we go to resumes, you know, if you're going to see over there on the resume where it says, um, you know, uh, got kicked out of high school, and that's the truth. Are we trying to hide it? No, but you don't know me. So why you're going to be judgmental, not me, right? Um, and we want to, that's the culture we're in. And it's, it's sort of, not being in reality of the culture that we, we do carefully gauge, but we're not hiding either. And it's the fine dance that our culture knows how to do well. And we want mental health to be right in that, uh, right, right in that package deal. Um, this is who I am and I can be a wonderful person and I can hold down a job. And I also have bipolar that's very well monitored and um, you know, treated. And I also have um, you know, moderate ADHD and I take medication as needed. It doesn't have to be more than that but in the sensitive way that we go about it. So what I'm hearing here also is that we're going to tell. It's just a matter of when and how. It's not something that we're going to hide so that it shows up in the suitcase later. That's right. possibly what we were doing 30, 40 years ago. Right. And it didn't turn out well then and certainly not going to turn out well now. Right. I, I think to answer the probably the main question tonight, should you disclose? How should you disclose? I, I think, and I, this is like, it's not a way to skirt the question, but it's more understand the, the underpinnings of marriage, and then I think the answer will become clear. Can I give a little two-minute intro into marriage, and then I, I think this will be the basis, and then we'll get into the specific questions. You know, I was on a panel a few two weeks ago, a shuist I was with uh, Rabbi Benzion Schaefer. We're not related. Um, he wrote his book, um, The Ten Dumbest uh, Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Do. Um, Rabbi Reuven Epstein was on the panel, Rabbi Lamb from Muncie. And it's interestingly, we didn't come to speak about marriage, but, you know, till two in the morning for like two, three nights in a row, every conversation was about marriage and relationships, which tells us you know, how much people are very thirsty about making marriages work and sustaining it and relationships in general. So, you know, everyone had their, you know, understanding of what relation go out with your wife once a week. Um, the man should plan, the wife should get the babysitting, um, you know, make sure that, you uh, you guys have fun together and not just, you know, deal with the kids. And, and I, you know, and I have a hard time, you know, saying stories and making things more lavish. And I said, I don't know, marriage to me in under a minute, really it's under 30 seconds, but it'll probably take two minutes the way I say it. It really should be just one thing. We, we see this in the Torah right in the beginning where Adam, it says the Adam Yadda's Chava, Adam Nu Chava, right? The Rashi says it was referring to physical intimacy. We know the Torah doesn't want to use words that are like Tahar. So, it used yada, but why yada? So what says is that whenever the Torah says its first definition of anything, that's usually what it means for the rest of the Torah. So when the Torah for the first time is talking about relationships, it uses the word yada. When a husband knows his wife and a wife knows her husband more, you know, in a way that no one else in the world knows on a physical level, emotional level, spiritual level, and that's the way it should be. When they know we saw to the extent where I know why my wife is in a bad mood when she walked in and she knows that when I'm shutting down, it's not because I'm upset at her, but because this is how I deal with my, you know, men are from ours. We put on our, um, you know, working, we go to the cave. She doesn't get offended. I don't get offended. 
and she sort of gives me the space and I give her the validation or the words that she would need. When it comes to that, when you know your spouse to such a level, you don't get upset. You can't get angry. It's almost like it's not possible. If marriage is just about knowing your spouse, that when my wife comes home and says, I had such a horrible day at work, I want to quit my job. And so many husbands fall into this trap and they say, you can't quit. You know, uh, why don't you just tell your boss? And, what? And, and this happens in marriage counseling every day. It's like, it's like music careers already. And she just wanted to, you know, speak it out and just be there for her and just say, it must have been a tough day. And it ends right there. But what happens is that the husband starts giving advice. The wife doesn't feel validated. They end up not talking and it, it, it spirals only because they just don't know either their love language, their communication styles. If the, if the foundations of a marriage is where a spouse knows their spouse and they're accepting and loving of who they are in their moments because they know it's not coming from you know, uh, an obnoxious place. And by the way, this is the same thing for any relationships. Parenting, when your child is coming over and says, you're the worst Tati in the world, you know, uh, everyone else has this and you're not giving to me. If I'm going to start feeling, oh my gosh, he's so chutzpah, as opposed to he's in pain. His kid has a scooter, you know, riding around and he doesn't. He is just expressing his pain in his way. So I still may have to be with Hanukkah. I still may say we don't talk like that, but I won't get upset or angry. If, if everything in marriage could really sum up, even going out once a week, why do we go out once a week to get to know and remember and to tune into our spouse, right? Why do we buy a, how do I know what gift to get my wife? I have to tune into what her needs are. She tunes into my needs, right? All these words, you have to be machnia to your wife. You have to be mevater. I hear people say it. To me, it's like, it's almost like in the word commitment. You have to be committed to your wife. And I think even, you know, I listened to um, some of the previous panels and I, I heard a lot and, and it could be, there's definitely an element of commitment, but if marriage is based on commitment and you have to be mavatu, you have to bend over backwards. I don't know how to sustain a marriage like that. It, it's almost like you're marrying someone and you have to, you're getting like a new supervisor as opposed to you want to do it for this person. You, you understand them so clearly that it's not that you're bending over backwards. You just actually appreciate who this person is. If that's the case, if someone has... A, an anxiety disorder, let's just say, and they're coming into marriage. And I know that my spouse, let's say when, you know, uh, she needs me to be on the phone with her if she's driving late at night and it's not coming because she's, um, you know, selfish. It's not coming because she's annoying or babyish. She struggles with anxiety. I put everything down and that's what I do. I'm on the phone with her, not because she's in pain. And if I feel that pain, we feel pain as humans, right? That's the, the, it's just a natural. When a baby cries, we feel it. We don't have to ask, you sure you need it, right? We do it naturally. If someone has any sort of mental health disorder and we understand it and we appreciate it and we're in the treatment plan with them, it's almost non-existent. So that's it. And I'm sorry, I know that was way too, more than the, the one, two minutes. If you know your spouse and you know what they're dealing with, it won't become such a burden. It won't become such a, oh my gosh, who did I just marry? If it's, it comes about without any warning, it was hidden from them. They see emotionally dysregulated, uh, an emotionally dysregulated person, but they don't know that they've been in therapy trying so hard to regulate. Um, and then it comes out and the husband or the wife feels that this person is really abusing me or obnoxious to me. And all those things that come along with it, it's over. And then by the time they get to see a therapist and then they get a diagnosis, marriage really works in, in, a, in a cycle that, that is, it's so hard to, to, you know, to get it to stop and to repair itself. So 
back to your question, right? So, uh, I know what all of this said, right? How, how should we, if this is the foundation of marriage, I think mental health is not going to be any different. And if someone has something, there's, it, 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 from the, from the fundamentals of marriage, it should be disclosed. No matter if it's a little ADHD, if it's a little depression, this is who I am. And if you love me for who I am, we're going to have a great marriage. And if you don't, and I have to walk around you, then how we, what is marriage? Love, what does the word love mean? We ask that in front of 200 people, right? What does love mean? What does relationship mean? It's one of the, we ask it to all the clients. Uh, if anyone's going to become a client, um, uh, sorry, we're giving the answer away. And sometimes clients would come back two, three weeks. They have no clue what the word relationship means. What is it? Someone that's nice to you, you're nice to them. If, if you really take a few moments, maybe days and weeks and process it, it's a feeling of, I feel so close to you that I don't feel judged by you. I don't feel like I'm a burden to you. We just, we merge and that's it. So mental health as well. That being said, a question came in, but aren't there some mental health issues that are too hard for people to live with? I'm assuming that means that the spouse, like, you know, like certain situations or personality disorders that are very difficult to live with. Okay, so, so the, uh, it's, a, it's a great question. The problem with personality disorders, one thing is that the, the, usually the person that has a personality disorder doesn't usually know it or notice it. Um, and I think it's going to go back to if they do know it and they've gone through DBT and there's a progression, you know, just like if someone uh, has a, a very rare uh, medical condition and, you know, it's disclosed on the date, what would the person do? Call up the medical doctor and say, hey, what do you know about this? And can you tell me if there's a, what's the prognosis and what's the treatment plan? If the person says, you know, just like diabetes, make sure the medication is managed correctly. Um, there's no risk factor for, for the children, go on with it. If someone is, has been clinically depressed and this happens so much, it's so unfortunate because people hear the words depressed, but we get it and we get the calls all the time, but they've been in therapy. Um, we can show with evidence-based, you know, measures of how they've gone from year one to year three, and they're just progressing further and further I don't see why all of a sudden now it's a mental health issue to be any different. Um, are there any conditions that a person should stay far away from? I think that's a question I don't think anyone should uh, answer. If, if, if there's a treatment in place, there's a cure to it, where there's at least a, a decrease in symptoms and the, the person that you're dating or potentially getting into a relationship with is committed and you feel trusted that they're gonna continue with it, I don't see any risk in, in any, even personality disorders. However, because personality disorders typically come at, at the age of 18, 19, 20, and then by, you may need a little time to get that really under control before you make that commitment. And many times the people don't even know that they have it. So it gets a little more difficult, but if they're very aware, let's say they're, they're later stages and they're progressing and they're taking their treatments, you know, Seriously, and you reach out to the therapist if they give permission. I don't think there's anything um, that should stop anyone from marrying someone with a mental health condition. So, as, uh, as far as giving permission or meeting with the therapist, should they firstly give permission? If you, you must give permission, or the therapist won't share anything. But should they meet together so that, or should the one who's not working with the therapist, like the prospective, meet with the therapist alone, or? What would you suggest how to, how to work that out? Right. So I, I think, and I'm trying to get off my, my uh, therapist hat, it's hard to, I think that would depend on the level of security the, the person who's asking would need. You know, if 
if you tell me that you had you were diagnosed with bipolar um, and you're taking your medication and I never heard of bipolar, I'm not sure, and I call my Rob and he says, hey, you know, I, we've had a few people in, in the show or my son that have had it. They're married now, they're doing well. Um, you know what, why don't you go ahead and call um, this psychiatrist or this psychologist that I know, maybe a third party, which, you know, not just that person's psychologist, that person's, and ask them, what is the um, typical trajectory of someone that has bipolar? We get the exact diagnosis, get exact medications, get yourself educated like in anything else and see if you feel comfortable with it. If you still don't feel comfortable and maybe what would make you feel more comfortable is speaking to um, your uh, you know, potential, um, you know, marriage partners, therapists, why not? And I think if we're all going to embrace the Adam Yadas Chava, we know each other and we're starting off our marriage with really a, a emotional intimacy and openness where there's no judgment and we're just going to try to know and know and know each other. Why wouldn't you want me to see your therapist, right? I'm going to be that person that's going to want to know every part of you more than your therapist. Um, so I would say, why not meet with that therapist together if they need it? Um, you know, but then it gets sticky because it's an eighth day. Now I want to speak to your therapist. As people start already becoming, oh, you know, is, is this for us? Is it not for us? Is he doubting us? Is he asking too many questions? You know, once again, if someone knows mental health, he has two, three questions. If they don't, it probably would be normal in all those listening to um, call two or three therapists the, the therapist that show, the therapist that's a relative of yours, and to call a psychiatrist and then get a bracha from the rep, right? It's not because, you know, they're being overly cautious. It's maybe because it's new to them. And I think if the person with the, um, you know, psychological condition sees that they're doing their research, they're being respectful about it, and they're also new to it, um, and they're doing it in a very, you know, healthy manner, I think it's also going to tell the both of them where are we holding in terms of respecting and, and understanding each other. That being said, the person who has the, uh, the, the condition or the illness should be respectful that someone who may be new to it. And just because they're new to it and they want to do research doesn't mean that you want to drop the whole shidduch or that there's something wrong with it. Many times when people get new information, they don't know what to do with it. So if it moves sure. a little bit slowly after they find out that new information, don't read into it and say, if they're not accepting me as I am, I'm out of here. Because it's new, it's just a, it's just something that they were not expecting. And yeah. people just have to adjust to new information. Absolutely. And that's that flexible wanting to get to know the person. And you see a fascinating thing. The same person, while they're engaged, finds out something or dating it becomes this, it's almost like this anger and it's almost like this deceit or feeling deceived if it's not done correctly. But you know what happens more often than not? Six months within marriage, um, they come with a wife or the husband is stuck in bed, feeling depressed, feeling so low about themselves, maybe even having you know, suicidal harm ideation, um, as well as panic attacks. And you see how the wife or the husband is so supportive and it's almost like, let's go to this therapy, let's come together. It's almost like, and they never, either the person who had the panic attack never knew they had it, or they had it, didn't hit it, or, you know, it, it wasn't something they thought they had to say. And sometimes Rabbanim or people would say, you don't have to say it. If it was managed properly, we could get into that, you know, conversation. But they're so loving about it. And the number one prediction for anyone getting through a mental health condition is not the quality therapist you see, 
It's not how much money or, um, you know, uh, status or support you have. The, the, I mean, in terms of everything external, the, the number one predictor to mental health success, which is 40%, is the uh, um, structure of support that a person has from family members, from their spouses, from their parents. If someone has a solid spouse or partner with them, whether it's depression, whether it's bipolar, whether it's an eating disorder, regardless of everything else, that's going to be the biggest predictor. So we see that in marriages when they all of a sudden either develop a mental health condition or they hit it. It's almost beautiful. And they're so there for each other. And they do actually the good work once they're married. In the dating process, it gets a little more tough. But like you mentioned, yes, um, just like you want them to tune into you of what depression is, what abuse is, what, 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 what it was like to be neglected as a child, tune into them. Who This is new to them. This is like get to know them who never heard of the word bipolar in their life, right? They thought bipolar just means happy one day, sad the next day, you know, and now they're hearing more and more. And it's almost like it's a shock, right? Bipolar manic and medication. And it's like, it's, it's so new to them. We're, I think we have to be respectful of that culture within our culture that they just don't know about mental health. And that's fine as well. And the flip of that also is that someone with the condition would want to know that they're marrying someone who can support them, not someone who, so we were saying that yes, men, many of them will end up supporting if it shows up later, but some people may feel very betrayed and so they may not support. So part of dating in general is about sharing who you are and making sure that the, and trying to get a sense the person supports and accepts who you are. So withholding it was not to your benefit at all. And right. you may get, you know, you, you're starting off on at least of the omission of truth, if not an outward lie. Right. And, and that's, a, a, thank you for outlawing that, that point tremendously. It's in your benefit to see if this person will accept you for who you are, regardless, even if they never heard of it, but they're willing to work with it. And I think, you know, if, if anyone's going to say the words, let's say, about or compromise, this is where it's at. You know, I want to go to Florida. My wife wants to go to Eretz Yisrael. If we can't figure out each other's needs and be respectful and understanding of it, then, you know, all the way in the beginning, it's going to just spiral and spiral. You know, Rabbi Jacobs used to say it's very sad in the film community. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping, let's say, to more this um, community. Once, once again, I'm not speaking about, you know, Chabad or Lubavitcher or Satmar or um, Borough Park, Flatbush, let's just say Lakewood, right? He said from all the couples he used to see. 10% of them have beautiful, beautiful marriages. They're open, they're, not, they're vulnerable with each other. 10% are horrible, divorce or abuse or neglect. And 80% are powerful. They, they just fly together. It's like, you do your thing, I do my thing. We're not really there for each other. And that's bad, right? If there's a, an awareness from the beginning that this person appreciates me for who I, are, I am, not because I'm the person that if I have supper, you'll be happy with me. And if I don't, I won't, right? But for who I am, it's, it's in your best benefit to have such a partner going through, um, you know, your entire life. So absolutely. Yes. Um, I think that's a, a very important piece for, for everyone to keep in mind. And I'll say one thing in, in all my years of practice, Kimat, when someone was open about their mental health condition, very open and vulnerable about it, I, I've never had it that, you know, within their, their lifespan, when they, if they did follow up, um, it ever created an issue. The issues really only come when they either don't disclose it, they don't, they themselves are in denial about it, and then it comes out. I've never had it the other way. So it's almost like 
um, you know, a, a ratio of a zero to a hundred. Now we run the risk, obviously, of on the fourth, fifth date, you really want this person. Now, what do I do? What do I do? And that's a painful moment for anyone. And it needs a lot of handholding. Um, and ultimately, you're taking a risk. But like you mentioned, about if that person's not accepting of it, that's the biggest bracha that you saw it now and not later. Also, it's your, it's your story. It's your life. So you can figure out how to share it, whether you want to bring in the therapist, whether you want to bring in the diagnosis, how, because you own it for the past months or years. You know it. And then you can work it out whether you want to speak to the therapist about how to share it, you want to speak to an advisor, a coach, whoever it is, a rav, about how to share what it is, whether it's a question and or a just how, how to share it. It's your story. So you can really own it. And if you want to, like I said, you want to bring your diagnosis, your, your pills, your t- a story, and you want to meet somebody who knows me because you, you know, like, and dating doesn't have to be only just be the two of you. You could bring other people into the conversation, like the therapist or a friend or your roommate. So you get a sense of what it is. Sure. Yeah. The more open, the better. And then I, I know it sounds cliche, but that's what marriage is. The more vulnerable, I think there was one person that wrote a whole marriage is what when you can feel vulnerable in front of your spouse and your children. If you can cry in front of your children and not feel I'm a weak parent, I'm a that's the healthiest thing you can do. It sounds, you know, people don't like to hear that. But if you can be vulnerable, you're going to have the best marriage and relationship possible. That's the answer. And that's more strong. I mean, the, that vulnerability is super important. You, mm-hmm. you know, more than fi- hiding because how long can you hide this? Anyway. Sure, you can't. It, it never, it always busts. The question is when. And the last thing you need is after a baby, right? And how. Right. It's not only is like when and how. Right. And, and maybe his or the other one's parents are also get, get involved and that becomes even nastier. So right. let's, like, put, let's put it all out there. Right. You so know, I want to, yeah, I want to say so many times over the years, we've had clients where they were married they did not share that they were on meds. And then suddenly they were somewhere and their bottle of meds fell out or stories like that. And it was a disaster, disaster. Ended in divorce, five different people that I know personally over the last two years that did not share before they got married that they were on meds. So it's really nothing good comes from it. And just to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with being on meds. It's the part that's wrong is not sharing, not sharing the shock, the shock of the betrayal of it. The betrayal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like that being said, said yeah. sure. some of Go these ahead. personality disorders, like people are don't are like a narcissist, whether they're diagnosed or they're going to admit that they're diagnosed with narcissism. But if you recognize it, and it's not something that you're comfortable with, you don't have to get married. Like you don't have to marry somebody with, if you're not comfortable with whatever it means. Sure. I mean, I, I think not only you don't have to, you, that's not marriage. You, you want to, you want to want that person. It's, it's, right. you know, we're, we're, we're part of the from community, which is, which is, you know, beautiful. And we're set up in a way where, yes, we have a, a much less of the divorce rate. You know, one of the questions we did by the panel, you know, one of the, this, it's a, it was a funny, I, I felt like almost like, how can I even answer this? But where is Colleen Stroll holding? And what can we do, you know, better? Um, or what can we change? And, and when, when I, I was moderating the, the panel, and I had to come up with something, what, where can Colleen Stroll do better? And I, I told the crowd, and I said, I, I have to be honest for a moment. 
I really, obviously we can always do better, but you know, to say that Kalisrol is is really stuck in a certain place, I think we're doing so great. I mean, where we were so many years ago, 20, 30 years ago, in terms of abuse, in terms of, um, you know, even, even marriage, um, you know, conflict, in terms of parenting, there are so many parenting courses. Every school now almost has, you know, a social worker on board. Um, there are so many, you know, people giving, reading the books and giving the books, you know, Metaphor Mars and Love Languages and One, Two, Three Magic. Um, there's, it, we, we are so far from where we were and Kalisrol is, in, I think, in the best place ever. Our school system today is better than it ever was. And I heard this from a, a, a Rav here in Lakewood. Um, you know, our Chinuch system is the best where it ever was. And we're typically from where I was 15 years ago and where I am today, seeing the amount of people that are coming at preventative stages, like you mentioned, Rachel, to want to work on their marriage, want to work on their parenting. It's tremendous. So if someone is going to shut a person down because they can't, you know, they that's fine. And, and we're not in, in the front community as much as, you know, we people think it's hidden. It's not hidden. It's just a different system is that we, here, here, here's me as a person, like me, not my degrees and not my money and not my, you know, um, everything else. Here's me. Now we want to talk if we're a should have, we have to go through the process the way we do it. Um, in, in the non-firm community, it just, it's very open right away and that's fine too. It's just, we're going to get stuck at this point. But like you mentioned, if you don't feel comfortable marrying someone who has bipolar and eating disorder, maybe it's because you just, you freeze and you just don't know it's the unknown to you. And that's why obviously make it known. Then that's your choice and don't do it. And don't let anyone push you into that. So that sometimes we think that we can handle it or we want to be able to handle it. Cause this is a wonderful person with a wonderful family, with a great job. Let's say throwing the money there too, like the whole deal. We want to, but is it worth going to speak to a therapist to see if we can actually handle it? Because our head wants to, or our heart wants to, or our pocket wants to. Is it worth going to check out if this is right. actually a viable relationship? Right. So I, I think um, I, I tell this to clients right off the bat, you know, after we go through confidentiality, um, the therapists, and this may sound bad, we know nothing. We're not smarter than the general population. We don't have Ruach HaKadosh. We, you know, people assume they see us and they're like, oh, you're going to read right through me. You're going to tell me what I'm thinking. It's a, it's a joke already. You know, before you go into become a therapist, you would, oh, I know why this person did this. I want to become a therapist. I know, I know how to read people. And you hear that. And I was probably like that, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, to, the more I'm a therapist, the more I realize we know nothing. We're so, we, we see a person walk in. And even though the father or the mother or the red said, this person is such a narcissist and he's so obnoxious. You know, and then when we see the person, it's a whole new person because the one thing we do have that the spouse doesn't have, the uh, perhaps the rub of that person doesn't have, or the parent doesn't, we have zero agenda, we just stay objective. And we're trying to just objectively hear what do you want for your lifelong goal? What do you want in a partner? And is that really what's happening here? Like you mentioned, the word that what happens is, is that you know, uh, I'm dating for six years, this is finally the first person that 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 makes sense. And there's all those loads of things that come along with it. And now I'm stuck. Am I doing it just because I don't want to start the process again? And let me just, hopefully things will be okay. And I got a bracha or right. Does this actually make sense? And really it doesn't have to be a psychologist or a social worker. It could be someone that is so objective. The problem is it's hard to find someone. 
that's objective. You know, who wants to break the shiva? Who wants to be the one that's going to create doubt and people live with that guilt? And not that we as therapists ever want to do that, but our, our brains don't go there. This is what's in front of us, and we can only give you what we're objectively hearing. So, yes, you know, finally I got someone after six, seven, ten years. Um, you know, if I marry this person who got a Yerusha who's worth $10 million, even though he doesn't take his medication or he's not interested, he's a narcissist and he's, you know what, but at least I'll have the finances. And if I ever need, I can go on vacation for two weeks, take a break. You know, we hear that and we stay objective and say, you could do that. Is that what you want? And we bring them back to themselves without all the noise that's telling, sort of like drawing them, just do it, just do it, just do it. And, and that's what therapy is in a nutshell. And I don't see any reason why a couple wouldn't come, you know, premarital um, counseling is huge in the secular world and it's becoming so much more popular here as well. And, and you know what, many times, and I'm hearing this a lot, you know, from the Ravonim I, I work with here, they go to the Rav <laughs> before and that's fine, but they're doing it. They're going to the Rav. It, it looks maybe more Yiddish and maybe looks like not so stigmatized and the Rav is doing the same thing we're going to do. What, you know, what are your plans right when you get married? What, what, are you both going to continue your treatment plan? Are you both going to continue a therapist? I, the Rav, want you to go for six months of counseling right after you get married. You know, they're going to say probably the same thing we're going to say. But it doesn't come with you're coming to the shrink's office. Oh, there's a problem. So I think it's being done. And I think it's maybe not with the same, you know, shingle on the door. But people are doing it. And it's very impressive to see how far we got. And what about people are doing it, Varen, people are doing it for communication styles. That alone, you know, you're, you're coming into a relationship, a marriage, two different families, uh, two different communication styles, and so many families now are going before marriage. It's wonderful for prevention of any at-risk behaviors as well. Uh, doctor, I want to bring up um, gambling, there are issues, there are issues with so many, when having mental illness, it can lead to other at-risk behaviors, and I don't want to leave that out. Right, yeah, that's an important piece, and you don't see that, um, you know, but then again, getting back to it, if they don't feel safe and vulnerable to shear, they're going to have other ways of numbing the pain, right. um, which could be staying at work till what time am I here till? 9.30, right? Um, you know, they can, they can get away with avoiding conflict through gambling, alcohol, being an Oscan, right? Which can have that negative, like we're always busy, but you have, you know, children at home. Happens to me, I was home. The only reason why I came here was because the, uh, we were having some internet. Uh, we're not supposed to have internet at home, but uh, besides for that, um, I had to rush back to the office. But uh, other than that, um, yeah, I think it's it's people have different ways. And if we're well educated that this person has something that could be in tremendous pain, and if they don't have a way to go about it, it may go, you know, come out on the wife, the kids, or the family structure. So, yes, a very important point. Another question. Uh, should someone with a mental illness marry someone with an, with another mental illness, the same mental illness, or is it irrelevant? Oh. Right. Yeah. So it's a. I don't. I don't know who asked the question, um, and I want to be very um, sensitive and respectful to it. That that question in itself may feed into the problem. You know, if if, if I'm a, a dwarf, should I marry a dwarf? If I'm black, should I marry black? If I'm white. It's almost like we're, we're, 
I'm me. This is who I am. You, you know what? I like sports. <laughs> you know what? I also get nervous when I go on planes. It shouldn't be any difference. You know, so if I'm narcissist, I should marry a narcissist. Like, I, I hear the question and it sounds almost like, but it really, this is who I am. And I also have depression. And I, and I also, you see, I want to stay clear from the personality disorders because that's a little tough, right? Um, but, you know, I, I have, should I, if I'm diabetic, should I marry a diabetic? It's almost feeding, I mean, are the other nine? It I don't, I, the question is not a question, right? So I, I think it's important for me to answer this way, just to dissolve that whole, this person struggles with this and this is how they're going about it. Can I handle that as a person? Can I not? Simple question. It doesn't have to go more deep than it than it does. And, and I, I will say, according to the Imago theory um, and, and, and Freud and all that, it's the opposite. You know, the ADHD person typically will marry the very anxious person because, you know, if this guy comes, you know, late on a date and he's, you know, his car is all mishkabobble, things all over, and then he sees, oh, wow, this girl's on time. You know, she's already structuring, you know, the dates. And when we're about to get engaged, she's already thinking of which hole to reserve because, we, you know, uh, we have to think about it. And he's like, wow, this person has it. And she looks at him and says, wow, this guy could actually, you know, go to sleep at two in the morning and wake up and hope to have a good day. It's, it's like they find that attractive, you know, the, the opposites attract. So, no, I don't think bipolar is married. Bipolar is an anxious married anxious. I, I think the anxious person will love it in ADHD and vice versa. And I think someone that, you know, um, has more tendencies towards emotionally dysregulated and see someone that is regulated, it just, it attracts, you know, because the emotionally dysregulated person goes to be at a party and someone that, oh, wow, this is new to me, right? As long as it's, you know, here and not here. And that's where, you know, you want to make sure a severely ADHD doesn't marry severely anxious because that could be too much for, you know, for anyone to get to the, the middle ground. So as far as like the lay people who think that they understand it, like if she's on meds and then she's going to have to get off meds in order to be pregnant, to, to be pregnant, I think the lay people need to have a better understanding and what that would mean rather than just making the assumptions that are left over from the 70s and 80s, 90s, 2000s. Okay, so why don't you, uh, you'll, you'll get the honors, educate us. Is there a problem with the uh, psychotropic medications in child rearing or not? I'm the light person. I want to learn. I, I, I think, and I'm, I'm going to say this, obviously, you know, like they say, we don't take any, uh, you know, the, the, the speaker's view doesn't represent uh, Adeyad or mask or, right? I, I, majority, majority of medications have no influence on, on child rearing. Um, I want to stay clear. I'm just going to say that. And if you have a specific question, go ahead and ask. I think, you know, obviously the more complex or the more of a mix, perhaps, or maybe um, it could definitely impact, you know, drive or, could, you know, intimacy, things like that. But I think with anything today that we can classify with the diagnosis and, and the medication, um, you know, I, don't know, I didn't ask permission before I you know, from a, a gynecologist that I spoke to, you know, it's the from community, especially, you know, and, and you learned a lot from the whole vaccine, anti-vaccine. All I saw from that, you know, I don't even know which side I'm on anymore, right? But all I saw from that is that there's such, there's such a firmness that the vaccine will kill you and, the, and, and not taking the vaccine will also kill you. It's almost like, if you're on, 
and I don't think anyone's right or wrong. I, I think at the end of the day, COVID is almost, you know, non-existent and we have a vaccine. Are people growing the third arm and the third, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> but it depends how you view medicine, depends how you view, you know, the, the medical psychological profession, you know, uh, how many things do they say about therapists? We make more problems. Um, you know, us therapists, we need our own therapists. We're so crazy. I, I hear, I, these are the, 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 the things that people grow up with and, Either you educate yourself or not. But from what I heard from a, a, a from gynecologist, obviously, is that there's an assumption that if you take an SSRI, your kid's going to have autism, your kid's going to have developmental delay. All these things, and I'm being very careful not to, are, are point, point, point uh, of nothing, of a percent. It's the same thing like taking caffeine and wanting to know if that, you know, correlates with autism in children, um, if um, this medication will cause anger or ADHD. If you go with the medical science, there's a, a boatload of research and literature. And if you don't, it's hearsay. It's I don't know how to answer that. It's it's really going to depend on your belief system. But if at least if, if there's an actual situation in front of you, at least try to educate yourself rather than going from your own uh, you know conversations from the playground. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> the the hearsay and the. You know, um, I, I know on a, on a personal level, I grew up in a, in a family where um, even Tylenol, like, if you don't need it, don't take it. You know, try, go go natural. And, and until today, you know, if I could avoid it, I could. And then, but I, but I recognize that that's the way I was wired, you know. But then again, I see how many kids today, unfortunately, that are now adults that can't carry a job, that can't even go to the Dafyami because they get so frustrated with it. They almost want to slam the Gemara because their parents didn't give them the stimulant that every rabbi begged them and psychiatrists told them to take. And, and, you know, mistreated ADHD leads into addictive behaviors, their impulsivity. Um, they never learned how to learn. So yeshiva became a very, very, um, you know, just a prison. Um, and everything just because don't take the stimulant. Now, every guy that's, uh, I'm going to, be careful with this, you know, making the millions of dollars or running big corp, right? What, what do they have in their drawer? The Adderalls. And they're popping it and that's the ones that we should see to get them off it. And for the first time, they're actually being successful. They're actually being structured. Unfortunately, they're doing it on their own. But now all of a sudden it's cool to take Adderall, right? But as a child, it's almost like you're crazy if you do it and how much damage is done. So I, I think it's important that people really educate themselves. And, and I, I see even with parents that, if unfortunately, the kid's about to get kicked out of yeshiva. Fourth grade, they did OT, they did PT, they did you know language processing, and the kid just can't sit. And the kid is doing impulsive behaviors, risky behaviors. And now the yeshiva says we can't let the kid back in. And only then do they take the medication, and it's a life and game over. And and the parents come crying. Why didn't? What were we thinking till now? Why didn't we do this sooner? And they don't blame themselves, and we don't blame them. It's a scary, you know, imagine someone tells you that you have to do something that you never heard of. It, it rips apart your belief of, you know, I can do without it, or my kid is not, maybe not so normal. But once they see the treatment, it's almost like, wow, it's a whole new world. And halavai, everyone should do the proper education and, and get there sooner, right? I'm not saying today, tomorrow, because that wouldn't make sense either, right? We want to question or go with our adaptive beliefs. But eventually get there, not wait till it's too late or there's already a, a consequence in place. 
And also, with the, similar to the Shaduchim, like if you think that you may have something going on for yourself, you feel a little more anxious than you did in the past, or more anxious than you, then try to figure out what's going on for you, not wait until it explodes, whether it explodes before and or after marriage. It's started if it, as far as this topic is about marriage specifically, but if you feel that there might be something, start dealing with it, learning how to deal with it and start managing it as early before marriage so that you're on a stable progression upward, not so that you can actually talk to it and you'll know that you're, you're marriage ready rather than just what is going on with me. And Absolutely. so I think it's, and yeah. there's, like we said, the, the, the firm, there's lots of firm therapists if people want to be going home to a firm therapist. Uh, mask has a lot of referrals that you can actually be talking to, but it's not to go because you don't want that diagnosis, like kind of circling back to where we started from, is not going to be helpful in the long run. Right. And I, I'll, I'll conclude with, a, I don't know if you have, I could be here all night if you want, but uh, I spoke by the Agoda Convention, this past Agoda Convention, um, and the, the question was, you know, there was a movement that boys should marry younger, so to, you know, the gap of the age, the 21-year-old should, shouldn't be marrying the 19, the 22, the 19, and, you know, a lot of girls that end up 22, 23, 24 end up not getting, you know, a match because of the, the age gap. So the question was, from a, a psychological level, is it okay for boys 21 to date as opposed to 24? Uh, my response was, you know, very, very simple, and this happens so much where the same mother that will call me the year before um, when the girl's 19 and say, I must have you see or one of your staff see my daughter because this depression that she's always had or this, this rage that she's always had, she's, getting, she, she's going to Shaduchim in two months. We have to get a result, right? The same mother will call me when the boy's coming back from Eretz Yisrael at age 23. My son's been, you know, in gambling casinos. He's, he's not been learning for the past few years, but now he's in Shaduchim. We got to get him. And it's almost like they wait until they need to and then they... And then they make the move. And, and it's so sad that, you know, people, the biggest predictor for someone to join or see a therapist is not really the resources, again, there's not the financials, it's how much pain they're in. So like what you mentioned, Laura, if someone feels, and we find this a lot, that people, and it's, it may sound good or bad, when they actually are in the dating process or about to get engaged, that's when they're no longer in denial that I better take care of this. And that's when they actually get the help. And it's, it's very, it's, it's bittersweet at the same time why they waited, but then again, it got them to do that. And they, they go rapidly. They change very, very quickly um, because they know that they really have to take this serious. So yes, please do reach out. And thanks to, to Mask and Relief and, and, and so many organizations and Amudim, there's, there's, there's no end to how many people would be helpful to you know, answer that call. You just have to pick up the call. That's the hardest part. And, and you'll see a whole world out there that you never saw. And there's lots of people in that world. Yeah, a lot. Anybody that wants a referral, uh, they can call MASK and we will let you know about all the organizations that are out there and all the support groups and all, and whatever therapists you may need. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so thank you all for joining us. If you have any questions after you hear this, you can definitely send again a question to info at adayad. Org, or you can reach out to MASK, depending on, of course, what your question is. Uh, Dr. Shaver, do you want to just share the link to Empower? Sure. Yeah, I mean, anyone, you know, can feel free. Um, www.empowerhealthcenter, right, .net, that's our website. You can email office at empowerhealthcenter.net. Uh, number is 732-666-9898. You can 
call, text, WhatsApp. Um, I would always say, you know, before you want to see a therapist, right, first call, mask, and, you know, not everyone has to, you know, sometimes people hear, you know, such a conversation like, oh my gosh, this talks to me and let me go see a therapist. You know, we, we deal more with pathology. We deal more with treatment. This may sound inspirational and there are so many inspirational people like yourselves here. You may want to, not everyone needs therapy, right? If you, if you, you know, you're listening to this and, you know, you've been struggling with this for so long and you're like, you know, let me do this. Good. Go ahead. But there's so much resources out there. Why not utilize it and, and make the, the call is the main thing. Get out there. You'll see what the, you'll see the magic afterwards. Right. Don't hold it alone. It's too much to hold alone. Yeah. There's no re and there's no reason to. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you. It's been such an Thank opportunity and I appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to uh, many more. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night.